Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. In this pandemic, a lot of attention has been paid to why it's important to delay the spread of COVID-19. At the same time, we're all trying to balance a number of concerns, like how to keep ourselves and our families healthy, or worrying about whether we may be able to keep our jobs as things shut down around us. Today, where we live, how is all this anxiety impacting our mental health? Coming up, we find out what all of us can do to manage these feelings, and we want to hear from you this hour. The number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Coming up, we're going to talk about how you can talk about the pandemic with your children, and later, how when we're all socially isolated, how to take and make use of telehealth and telemedicine, teletherapy uh, to help again during these uncertain times. I want to welcome my first guest. Again, uh, we're having all our guests join by phone because we're doing our part with social distancing. Thomas Burr is joining us, Community and Affiliate Relations Manager with NAMI Connecticut. That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Thomas, welcome to our show. Yes, good morning, Lucy. Uh, so tell us first, uh, when we talk about uh, NAMI Connecticut, uh, tell us how wide your network is in our state. Well, we have uh, both the state office in West Hartford and then scattered throughout the state, we have nine local affiliates in all different areas of the state. Recently, NAMI tweeted out this message, it's okay to feel sad, angry, or scared because of the hashtag COVID-19 outbreak. However you feel is valid. As I mentioned, this is an anxious time for many of us. Why is it important to stress that sentiment now, Thomas? Well, it's always good advice to, you know, be in touch with your feelings regardless of what's happening. But especially now, you know, there's no wrong way to feel about this stuff. It's, it's a very trying time. It's actually normal to feel somewhat anxious because you know we know how this is all going to play out exactly so um so but there are resources available if you are struggling and we'll certainly get into that so tell us a little bit more when we hear about uh, we're going to hear about resources as you mentioned later but when we think about positive coping strategies if we can feel our anxiety rising if there's a lot of stress that's building up what are some coping strategies you can share all right. Well, there's certainly a lot of things you can do, which, uh, you know, are certainly germane now, but, you know, again, are germane during any kind of stressful time. And uh, it's really all about living a healthy lifestyle. Certainly you want to eat right. You know, proper nutrition is key. Um, sleep is also very, very important. Um, you know, if, if you don't sleep properly, it can really have a negative effect on your mental health. In fact, even a completely quote-unquote normal person, if you deprive them of sleep for, let's say, three straight days, they will enter into psychosis. The brain is just not engineered to run 24-7. So uh, when you're feeling stress in your life, you always want to make sure you maintain proper sleep. Um, fresh air and exercise 
is great. And of course, in this time of social distancing, distancing, you can't certainly necessarily go to the gym. A lot of them are closed, but you can certainly go out and walk down your street. And if you can get into nature, that's even better. There's actually done that being uh, around nature, being around trees, especially, is really great for your health. Um, and certainly sunlight is also a key factor. Believe it or not, sunlight is a free source of vitamin D. And the research has shown most Americans are heavily, um, de- you know, deficient in vitamin D. So, you know, uh, sunlight in moderation, you don't want to overdo it, but uh, is really great to maintain your mental health because lack of vitamin D can certainly cause mm-hmm. depression. Unfortunately, we're talking today, Thomas, and it's a rainy, cold, damp day. I believe it's the first day of spring, uh, ironically. There you you Uh, go. When we think about being outside, that's important. But at the same time, uh, we're also uh, creatures that like to be around people. And that's why it's so difficult that uh, many of us now have to be in this self-isolation or maybe uh, someone's under quarantine because they're not feeling well. Uh, so uh, tell us about um, how people can still stay connected. I know it's so easy these days to text people, but maybe the old-fashioned phone call, talking with people on the phone can help. Yeah, and and certainly uh, with the technology today, you know, you can video conference your loved ones. There's all these different types of uh, technologies available. A lot of them are free, you know, FaceTime if you have an iPhone. uh, Skype, I believe, is free for people to use. So there's all kinds of ways you can connect. And that is a huge, uh, uh, again, thing to do when you're not feeling uh, yourself. If you're feeling stressed is to maintain those connections with family out. I went out and walked the neighborhood and I had a chance to him. I kept my six foot dif- distance, but I was still able to have connection with him and his wife who were there. And, you know, that was the thing. it was nice to reconnect. This is where we live. On the phone with me, you're hearing Thomas Burr, a community and affiliate relations manager with NAMI Connecticut. As we take a step back, uh, so much attention on how to delay the spread of COVID-19, worried about uh, physical symptoms, um, getting sick. But during this time when stress and anxiety are piling up, it's important to think about uh, mental health. And that's our focus today here on Where We Live. We want to hear from you. Join our conversation at 888-720-9677. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Where We Live. Um, again, we've been hearing from some of you throughout the couple of days about some of the self-care that you're trying to put into uh, your lives. Uh, you can tweet us uh, what you're trying to do again as uh, COVID-19 has really turned all of our lives upside down. We're going to take a short break. We're going to try to get Thomas on a better phone line and we'll be with back back shortly. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. This 
This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Uh, today we're focusing on mental health. Again, the stress on looking at your physical health conditions because of the fact that coronavirus is spreading around the country. But it's also important to remember about mental health. Uh, my guest today is uh, Thomas Burr, Community and Affiliate Relations Manager with NAMI Connecticut. Uh, we were talking about some coping strategies, Thomas, but we know that one in five people have a mental health condition. Why is this such a troubling time when you think about forced isolation? Well, isolation is absolutely the worst thing you can do if you have an underlying mental health condition. We are social animals. We aren't meant to be isolated. And unfortunately, people with a mental health condition often, because of the stigma sometimes associated with these illnesses, feel like they're alone and no one else is dealing with what they're dealing with, and they just kind of isolate because they don't feel that people understand, and it's really troubling, and it's not healthy. So what are resources for individuals who may be listening now um, that we're talking about them in terms of how they can get help uh, despite being at home? Well, that's the good news about living in the age that we live in. There's so much available online and via video conferencing. We just spent the last few days gearing up what we normally do in person. We have a whole network of uh, education classes and support groups. We have over 70 support groups scattered throughout Connecticut um, for both families, friends, and caregivers of people with mental health conditions, as well as for people that are in recovery. And we've all gone and put all this stuff online. And if you go to namict.org and click under uh, find help, there's a list of support groups. And uh, they come in a a lot of varieties of flavors. We have groups for veterans, for young adults, for uh, parents of school-aged children, um, you know, whether you're a caregiver of someone with a mental health condition or you're a person with a mental health condition, we have a support group for you. And now they're all available online. And if you go to our website, economyct.org, you'll find how to connect with us. And I, I actually am a trained family support group uh, facilitator. I've been doing that as a volunteer for probably 15 years. And we did our first online caregiver support light, support group just last night. And it was kind of fun. Mm. So tell me a little bit about that. uh, The the technology worked real well, and we were able to see people and, uh, you know, share what we know and, and, you know, go over things like resources and coping skills and just check in with people that are, you know, not feeling well about how things are going or maybe about how their loved one's mental health is and able to offer reassurance and also, again, resources that can help people while we're all dealing with this uh, whole coronavirus thing. You mentioned uh, online. Is there also a helpline that people can call? Yes. In fact, there are many helplines that people can call. Um, I'll bring up just a few. One certainly is the NAMI Connecticut helpline. We're available Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. That's 860-882-0236. Um, there's also certainly different crisis lines. If people find themselves in crisis, there is help available. Um, if you have uh, a young adult, a child up to the age of 18, you can call 211. That's the emergency mobile psychiatric services. So that's 211. 
they'll help you. If you have, say, a teenager who is in crisis, and the, but they like to text and they're willing to reach out for help, there's the crisis text line. You can text the word LISTEN, L-I-S-T-E-N, to 741-741. And uh, we've gotten some great feedback from that organization. They do some really good work there. There's, of course, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 800-273-8255. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, for veterans, if you're a veteran, you can call the Veteran Crisis Line, which is 800-273-8255. Those are all important numbers. We'll try to get those on our website at wmpr.org slash where we live. We'll also tweet those out at where we live. Would you, anecdotally, uh, are these organizations as NAMI Connecticut getting more calls in the last uh, couple of weeks as uh, more attention um, has been given to coronavirus? Yeah, you know, it's anecdotal because uh, I haven't been in a position to track it. But, yeah, I think we've seen a bit of an uptick in people reaching out for help because it is very stressful times. It's it's okay to not feel okay about all of this. Our whole, you know, I don't think there's anyone whose life hasn't been affected one way or the other. You know, working from home, uh, you know, people who've lost jobs, people who are now caring for their children 24-7 because the schools have all closed. It's just everyone. So... You know, it's okay to be anxious and kind of stressed out right now because our lives have been upended. You can join our conversation again, 1-800-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Where We Live. Um, again, I'm talking with Thomas Burr, Community and Affiliate Relations Manager with NAMI Connecticut or the National Alliance on mental health. Uh, we talked a little bit about coping strategies earlier, Thomas, but what about things to keep in mind uh, to avoid crisis in terms of, as you mentioned, uh, turning off uh, the news possibly? I mean, that's hard for us to do in the media. We need to uh, keep abreast of this, uh, these stories and uh, the information coming out from our public health officials. But for the general public, uh, what would you recommend? Yeah, and it is hard, and I'm certainly an avowed news junkie. Have been entire life, so um, it is a challenge sometimes, especially when you're not sure what's going to happen. And this thing is evolving. Uh, you you want to at least have an idea of what's going on. But you're absolutely right, Lucy, that you know ingesting news constantly throughout the day is not healthy. You know, it's it's really good to take a break from it, and certainly you want to make sure you're getting your news from a reputable source. You know, there's a lot of misinformation that's being put out on social media. And, uh, you know, even the, the normal, quote-unquote, news channels, you know, they have the saying, I'm sure you've heard it, if it bleeds, it leads. So you don't want to overindulge in that. You do want to maintain that proper lifestyle and do the things that are really as far as maintaining your mental health. And if you do have an underlying mental health condition, you certainly want to avail yourself of things that you know, hopefully you've engaged in in the past, whether it's, you know, therapy, support groups, as we talked about just a few minutes ago. You know, if you're taking medication, continue to take medication. Um, if you have a spiritual connection with a church or a synagogue and you found value in that, well, that's been moved online. Even though they've closed their doors, they're still trying their best to engage with their parishioners and the public. Um, 
and you know you know additional resources also the CDC's got some really wonderful stuff I had a document that we've been sharing uh, called managing uh, your stress you know and it's specifically to these times with the COVID-19 outbreak and if you go to cdc.gov and search on managing stress you'll get the document and it's got a lot of good recommendations in it. Uh, we heard from someone on Twitter, Allison, uh, who writes, uh, let's talk about people who are homeless, living in very cramped shelter space. Stress is a daily part of their lives, most already highly vulnerable due to chronic medical conditions. They need housing in order to ensure their mental and physical health and safety. Uh, Thomas, it's natural to think about ourselves, our family, but there are people in our communities that are also vulnerable. Um, what are the best ways to reach them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, certainly, uh, we interface on a regular basis with a lot of the advocates uh, and homelessness, and I've seen the circuit on what do we do with people who are homeless? We provide support. And that's an easy question, sir. Uh, certainly, if people are up to the challenge, I would say, uh, you know, Voluntarily homeless, I think there would be a good idea facing women with homeless. Let them, resources are available, you know, the phone numbers, and if they have access to uh, uh, the internet, any of the websites, whether it's NAMI or any other resources we talked about. Uh, the biggest thing is just, you know, let the folks know they're not alone and there are resources and to hopefully engage them as best as you can during these troubling times. I mean, we've done a pretty good job in Connecticut ending homelessness, but it's still an issue. You know, they're still homeless. And uh, for anyone who is interested in advocating for this, we certainly support all the efforts to increase the availability of supportive housing for people who find themselves either at risk of homelessness or are homeless because they're you can't get better you know no one gets proper mental health treatment in a homeless shelter you really in order to successfully work on your recovery you have to have stable housing and we've known this for years and years and years and again connecticut has done an above average job addressing this compared to a lot of other states but we still have work to do you can join our conversation here on Where We Live, the number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Um, in your community, how are you reaching out to your neighbors and others who may be vulnerable, again, in this time where we have to self-isolate? We want to hear about some of the ways that you're doing that. The number 888-720-9677. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Maybe you are a therapist or other mental health provider. How are you staying connected with your clients? Again, you can join us. Uh, I wanted to, uh, again, switch gears now. We've been hearing from Thomas Burke, Community and Affiliate Relations Manager with NAMI Connecticut, or the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, but something that a lot of people are struggling with is how to talk about what we're all experiencing with our children. So joining us now by phone is Dr. Janine Dominguez, clinical psychologist at Anxiety Disorder Center at Child Mind Institute. It's a nonprofit organization in New York City. Uh, Janine, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. 
We know that uh, this pandemic in 2020, it's certainly not the first crisis our country has faced. It's certainly of the magnitude that it is, the fact that it is changing our lives so quickly. Things are closing around us. People are worried about their jobs. And so a lot of adults have an anxiety and stress. Um, how do we talk about what we're experiencing, but also being careful uh, to respond to our children at the same time this is all happening, Janine? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think first it starts um, with modeling that calmness, even when you're feeling worried and anxious. Um, certainly before having these conversations with your kids, really taking that time to utilize your own de-stressing techniques um, because it's really important that we model calm and confidence uh, during a time with a lot of uncertainty. Um, we know that kids really vibe off their parents, and so it's really utilizing this opportunity to set that emotional tone, validate any feelings of anxiety and stress that are coming from your kids, but really also sticking to the facts about what we know about the virus and what's happening now. You really, as a parent, want to be that filter between the news and what's being talked about to your kids. Um, we know for younger kids, it might be best to actually take their lead and ask the question what they know about the virus and what's happening now. So that way you can really be the person who's correcting some misinformation and really providing factual information um, at their developmental level. And it might be right now as simple as there's a new virus that makes you feel similar to the flu or having a really bad cold, and we're all working together to stay healthy and safe and help others stay healthy and safe um, until we know more about the virus. Uh, and you really want to help kids root in what they can do that gives them a sense of control and agency. And so um, really practicing good hygiene, washing hands for 20 seconds. We're all practicing social distancing and avoiding large crowds. Um, I think for older children and teens, they have the ability to really cognitively understand more, but oftentimes teenagers really want to focus on what they can do in the moment. So again, as a parent, helping them to feel a sense of agency and control. And so the conversation can be around what they can do to help, make a plan for the next week or two around things that you guys can be doing together to keep healthy and safe. Well, you were talking earlier uh, about the ways to talk about coronavirus. And so it's important to keep the language that we're using uh, very simple and to not inundate our children with uh, everything we may be hearing uh, on the news. Yeah, absolutely. There, um, There's a lot out there. And again, I think even for parents, I, I would recommend, certainly we want to stay informed, but also limiting how, how informed we're being in the sense of how much information we're, we're taking on. So um, my recommendation is usually maybe checking in twice with reputable news sources, maybe once in the morning and once in the evening around what is happening and staying connected, but also just keeping that very simple with with your kids. Um, and, and there's also a lot of questions that might not have answers at the moment, and I think it's okay to say as a parent, 
I don't know that right now, and that's okay. When I do get more information, know that I'll keep you informed. And maybe even setting up a time during the day or even during the week when you guys meet as a family or meet with your kids in order to be there to help answer questions or provide any any answers that are needed. Sometimes having that schedule time is predictable and adds some structure um, and can help uh, feel less anxiety-provoking during a time of some uncertainty. Uh, we've been hearing about the importance of routines, Janine. Uh, just to be fully transparent, um, I am actually hosting this show from my house uh, remotely as our company is being very careful about social distancing. Uh, we're trying to get all our guests uh, on our talk shows to join by phone. And I have two children at home. And so part of our new routine is when mom is on the air from 9 to 10, my children are in the family room quietly watching TV. But then once they get off the air, they need to work on uh, their schoolwork and uh, this online learning. And so we have also been struggling personally uh, with our scheduling of the day. So what are some tips for parents who are also feeling that as well? We've, because thousands of children um, in, in our state alone are now home. Yeah, I, uh, I am feeling the same way, to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm also taking this from home and my four-and-a-half-year-old is currently downstairs also on his iPad while I'm doing this. So <laughs> I, I, that's, all, that's all to say. I think we're all really trying to establish a new normalcy. Um, you know, to all parents, I would say be kind to yourself and be flexible. I think during this time until we really find a new norm, you you want to be okay with, you know, having some of that happen. And if you usually don't have screen time during the week. I think right now, if that's necessary, you sort of do what works um, until you sort of, you, we have a new norm established. I think it's important to stick to things that you already had before in the past, before all of this happened. So, you know, for us, I know here it's important that we're sticking to a regular bedtime routine and a regular bedtime hour and a, a similar morning routine and a morning time hour. So that way it feels like we're kind of getting up and, and going to work and going to school, even if it's at home. Um, and then I think during the day, establishing, again, a routine of when online schooling is happening, how to structure activities for more free time, doing that in a creative way. So um, structured activities might be creative art projects for younger kids. I know my son and I are working on a project where we're collecting our recyclables and making a city together and adding to that as something that we're doing as a family. Um, for older teens, it might be working with them on routines around uh, also helping around the house, activities like cleaning and organizing your room that might not sound like fun regularly actually might be really helpful right now in order to feel productive and, again, a sense of agency and control. I think getting creative as families um, to be able to incorporate exercise, we know that's really um, key in terms of even mental health, so taking hikes and walks and bike rides, but also maybe incorporating things you normally love, like dance and music and how you can do that online um, are all things that can be part of that new norm and new routine and structure.
You're listening to Where We Live here on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. On the phone with me now is Dr. Janine Dominguez, clinical psychologist at Anxiety Disorder Center at Child Mind Institute. This is a nonprofit organization in New York City. As we talk about ways adults, parents can talk to children, teenagers about coronavirus, uh, there's probably many of you at home now trying to figure out how to work remotely while your children are home from school or your college student has been sent home. Uh, because of COVID-19. How are you managing? You can give us a call at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Janine, you mentioned uh, positive activities that uh, you're doing with your children while they're home from school. There is this added stress with online learning that parents don't want to see their children uh, missing out. Obviously, they're not in school. They're missing out on important lessons uh, there. They want to make sure that that education continues um, at home. Um, are there ways that um, they can do that without overloading uh, the child or even adding more to not just the stress on your children, but the stress on parents thinking that they've got to try to figure this all out? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, I think it comes down to really at this time trying to be flexible, um, and also making making what works in the moment uh, work, if that makes sense, in the sense of, um, I think, knowing that everybody is trying this out, and there's a lot of room for flexibility. And so it might start off with, you know, what room are we going to be doing some online schooling and setting up an environment that is conducive to that and is also somewhat relaxing and de-stressing, but also quiet and, and that sort of environment. And maybe in the beginning, it's like, all right, this worked for a good 45 minutes. You know, how can we make it work for a bit longer? Um, what what worked, what didn't? And I think having those conversations as a family can be really helpful as everybody is trying to figure out that, that routine and that structure. Um, and I think right now the time is about like stabilizing and coping with that stress. Um, certainly, I think academics are important, but I, I think really making this time in the next week or two about stabilization and, and coping with the stress of a new, a new routine and a new norm is, is where the focus should be. We started out our show talking about how anxiety um, is affecting or can impact adults. But in terms of watching your kids, your teenagers, uh, what signs uh, to look out for, Janine, to notice if the anxiety is getting to them? Yeah, I think right now, as teenagers are, unfortunately, there are activities that have been canceled and things that they were probably looking forward to are are not going to happen anymore. I think it's incredibly normative to feel sad and frustrated um, and stressed about that in in the moment. And so there's certainly a normative adjustment period. I think what we would want to look out for is if that continues after a few weeks where uh, a teen is feeling sad um, all day, every day, unable to get out of their room, um, then we want to intervene. And that might mean parents really helping their teens to behaviorally activate and get out of the room and engage in some activity, engage in connection online with their friends, even if we can't in person. 
Um, or it also might mean reaching out to a mental health provider. I know at the Child Mind Institute, we are all um, connected with our patients via telehealth and also providing ways to be connected um, online through support and online resources. And so that might be something that parents also help their teens engage with. That's interesting. You mentioned telehealth. I was speaking uh, briefly with our first guest, Thomas, about that. So at Child Mind Institute, are you doing daily Facebook chats uh, or FaceTime chats uh, with clinicians? And and how are you doing um, evaluations remotely? Yeah, so we're we're doing everything telehealth, so keeping with our regular patients um, via online, um, and that's either through Skype calls or Zoom calls. Um, we're also doing that through evaluations as well, so we're taking on new patients, um, and we're also doing that um, online. So collecting information online and then meeting with parents and teens or children to be able to evaluate next steps and recommendations for treatment. We also have um, just ways for parents and teens uh, to connect through Facebook Live video chats where if you're wanting information or having questions around things like how do I know when my teen needs more help or uh, just generally how to cope during this time, you can certainly log on to our Facebook Live video chats. Um, and we're having one, two, two daily, one at 10 a.m. and one at 8 p.m. Um, we're also engaging in just uh, phone consultations for maybe problem behavior or if you're having questions around anxiety or depression during this time, there are ways in which we can help connect and, and give you resources. Again, you're hearing uh, Janine Dominguez. Again, she's a clinical psychologist at Anxiety Disorder Center at Child Mind Institute, a nonprofit organization in New York City. Uh, if you have a question uh, for her, especially if you're a parent uh, at home or maybe you can't work remotely and you're trying to figure out how uh, you can help uh, your children or get them the resources uh, they need uh, while you're still trying to do your job, you can join us 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WM. NPR or find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at where we live. Uh, when we talk about social media, luckily when we're all self-isolating, Janine, it is a good tool to have, but at the same time, it's important to figure out ways uh, to navigate it to keep uh, social media limited. Um, what are some tips you have for, for parents on that? Yeah, I think right now um, what I would recommend is helping your teen uh, navigate social media in the sense of uh, certainly we want to limit how much they're being bombarded with news about the coronavirus, um, but really utilizing it as a way of healthy distraction, something that might be pleasurable, um, whether that's like connecting with people that you follow that are inspirational or your friends. I think I would also recommend um, helping your teen or even your child connect with kids um, in your class with, you know, um, whether that's FaceTime Hangout or uh, connecting through a, um, uh, a text chat so that way you're still getting that, um, that social interaction even if it's not in person. So um, even with my four-and-a-half-year-old, uh, he FaceTimed with his little buddy the other day, and it might have just lasted five minutes, but 
I think it was really important for him to still get, feel connected to his friends. And similarly, um, certainly with teens as well. Um, so I think this is the time to sort of uh, encourage that engagement in a way that's healthy um, where they had it before. Thomas Burr is also with us, Community and Affiliate Relations Manager with NAMI Connecticut. Uh, Thomas, we've been focused on helping children and teenagers uh, through uh, what's been going on with worrying about this pandemic. Through NAMI Connecticut, what are your resources for young people? Yes, we have a uh, whole suite of uh, what we call our NAMI Connection Recovery Support Groups for Young Adults, which is ages 18 through 29. For parents of school-age children, we have what we call our NAMI, the Kansas Expert Adolescent Network Support Groups. And that's really helpful for parents of school-age children because not only are you dealing potentially with the mental health concerns for the children that you have, but also how to interface with the school systems because kids spend well, let's face it, the majority of their days under normal conditions in school, and schools can provide additional resources to a child who may be struggling with a mental health condition, but depending on which school system you're in, sometimes that can be an uphill battle. And we teach parents not only how to engage with school systems in getting these resources, but if they're getting resistance, what their rights are, and how to kind of force the issue if it becomes necessary, which unfortunately sometimes in certain school districts here in Connecticut, it is necessary to kind of have to fight the fight to get what you're, you know, entitled to. Mm. Well, we'll be definitely uh, focusing more on that particular issue uh, in the coming weeks. Again, this is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. I want to thank Dr. Janine Dominguez for joining us uh, by phone, clinical psychologist at Anxiety Disorder Center at Child Mind Institute. Janine, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, coming up after the break, Shine is an app for people with anxiety and depression. Recently, it's focused on the way coronavirus is affecting people, whether they've been diagnosed with a mental health condition or not. Apps and websites with this kind of focus are especially important in a time when people are self-isolating because of the pandemic. More after the break, and we want to hear from you too. How are you thinking about self-care as you balance the new stresses that coronavirus has brought with it? The number 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, as the number of COVID-19 cases continues to rise in the United States, Americans are staying home to prevent the spread of this deadly disease. But what does that mean for the next monthly rent or mortgage payment that's due? On the next Where We Live, we explore how this pandemic impacts the gig economy in Connecticut. How has this affected your livelihood? Join the conversation. That's tomorrow. Now, today we're talking about mental health as the pandemic turns everything upside down. The coronavirus has reached every corner of our lives. What are some other ways to reduce anxiety in a time when 
Isolating ourselves from people is important to slow the rate of illness. There are other ways to communicate with mental health professionals beyond sitting in the same room as them. To tell us more about resources you can access from your home, joining us by phone is Naomi Hirabayashi, the co-founder and co-CEO at Shine. Naomi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Our listeners can also join us at 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Tell us more first about Shine for our listeners who may not have heard of this app. Yeah, so Shine is an award-winning app that helps people struggle less with their stress and anxiety. And for the last four years, we've built a community of 4 million people around the world that really trust us almost like you would a friend that's grounding you for the day to create a daily habit that is all, you know, rooted in prioritizing yourself because we often prioritize everybody else before we get to ourselves. And so um, what that looks like is we have a daily shine that lives in the app and is essentially a new meditation and mantra for the day. It's often referred to as a daily secular sermon. And what it does is it gives you a core theme related to emotional health and gives you a committed action you can take that day so you can be really intentional about the day ahead and also gives you um, that, that meditation to sit with your thoughts and your feelings um, as, as you gear up to, you know, go out into the world and, and try to manage yourself and your anxiety along the way. And obviously um, kind of going out into the world is the major thing that's, that's shifted in the last few weeks and um, has created a lot of uncertainty and, and stress we've seen from our community, but the community at large. So tell us more about uh, this new collaboration uh, between Shine and Mental Health America. I believe there's a website, virusanxiety.com. So yes. what are you yeah. adding uh, to the community beyond your, your app? Yeah, so, you know, knowing that what we do when the world feels a little bit more normal is create accessible mental health resources we're really known for making these intense feelings or topics more conversational and accessible. And so when, when everything happened and really started to ramp up, particularly in the U.S., um, we heard from our community directly, I'm struggling with this uncertainty. There's obviously so many questions that come up around your physical health, absolutely, but also your mental and emotional health. And we, um, we got on the call with Mental Health America, who's been a fantastic partner and worked with us to get everything up in less than 48 hours. And we know that um, they've shared some really powerful statistics around what they're seeing from their end. So there's already a 19% increase in anxiety screenings, a free tool that they offer, and over 45% of people are reporting severe anxiety right now. And so there's no shortage of information and conversation around the heightened anxiety. But one of the things, you know, we're startup, and so we're used to a lot of uncertainty and a lot of gray areas. It's kind of the, the nature of, of the climate that we're used to. And so a, a theme of ours is how do you take ambiguity and turn it into action? And what is tricky right now, and that's why I'm so thankful for, you know, this, this series and the show and what, what you're doing is how do you, um, knowing that people are trying to be, stay in, as informed as possible, how do you make those resources as um less stressful as possible, right? And that's this kind of tricky balance. And that's where we came up with something that was this completely new site, absolutely free, where people could go and manage their mental health in this global climate of uncertainty, but do so in a way that's as calming and as soothing as as possible. So things like we have a lot of intentionality around the colors that we use on the website, 
they're very you know green light green and calming and we have some levity we have um some more kind of hard-hitting tools but the goal is to make this one-stop shop this one destination the place that you can go to stay informed from a trusted source but also get the support that you need and feel less alone in what you're struggling with so Naomi, what are the types of questions that people are uh, having when they go to virusanxiety.com and how are people, again, relating to them and connecting with them? Yeah. So one of the most popular features that we spun up really quick, quickly is this ask, ask an Expert. And the idea is that, you know, there's questions that people have that have never been searched before because this is a totally new, unprecedented time. And so we teamed up with a couple um, experts, so Dr. Anna Rowley, who is an incredible clinical advisor, someone that works very closely with Shine, Dr. Patricia Thompson, um, onboarding a few other um, experts from Mental Health America as well as we speak. And the goal is where people can go and ask personalized questions and get personalized support because, again, this is all so um, specific in the way that it's impacting everybody. The number one thing that we're seeing from um, the community is a fear and anxiety over the uncertain times. A really popular question is, will things ever go back to normal? And like, what, how do I, how do I reset my feeling of normal? And so um, just reminding people that that is absolutely a very, you know, normal and universal thing that everybody is feeling because our routines and our day-to-day have been, you know, completely changed. And so feeling less alone and, and having that concern and giving people the tools to um, focus on what they can control in this moment. And then another one is, you know, we, we have a lot of um, Gen X and millennials, and so there's a lot of concern over their own physical health, but most importantly, the physical health of more vulnerable people in their lives. And so how do they balance supporting people or caretaking? We have a lot of caretakers in our community. Um, how do I be there for my parents, but also, or, you know, friends and loved ones, but also be mindful of not spreading the virus. And so a lot of, you know, social consciousness and responsibility that's coming through. And then there's, there's more the nitty gritty stuff. So one of the most popular resources that we posted from uh, the, the questions that were submitted was around, how do I handle the anxiety of going to the grocery store? I get very overwhelmed by empty shelves, the feeling of um, crisis and um, scarcity. And uh, Dr. Anna Rowley put together this great, um, and it's on, it's on the website, uh, virusanxiety.com if you go to the ask an expert section where you can do something called stress inoculation where essentially you you practice in the comfort of your own home visualizing going to the grocery store checking your anxiety as you kind of go through that visualization but again giving people the tools to control what they can in this environment of unknown does uh shine also help with uh, online support groups if someone's looking again to connect with people and they can't go to an in-person visit with their their therapist yeah I, i think what's so interesting is that you know we're we're social beings and the things that boost our immunity system are social interaction and it's the thing that's hard right now but one of um a recent partner was talking about, can we say physical distancing instead of social distancing? Because there's a lot of beautiful ways that actually people are coming together to uh, connect socially, even if it is digital. And one of, one of the things that we offer, and this is in the, the Shine app directly, is a daily discussion. And with the new fresh meditation that we do every single day, we have this feature where people can 
they're prompted by a reflection question or kind of processing how that emotional health theme has come to life in their own, you know, day to day. And they can share that advice with the community. They can um, like other people's responses that are really powerful. And we've seen a lot of activity in that daily discussion feature because it's a way for people to feel connected at this time. Um, and particularly around themes of emotional health where I think everyone's trying to figure out how can I be very proactive and, and preventative around my mental and emotional health right now, knowing that that's something that is, is harder in these times. And then also how can I, can I help other people in doing the same and how can I reach out to people that might feel um, both physically and socially isolated and, and be there and you know, communicate as much as possible. Uh, you mentioned that uh, there's uh, all different uh, age groups that can access this uh, website, virusanxiety.com. But in terms of, you know, when we think about helping the, the elderly, uh, you mentioned caregivers and caretakers reaching out for support because uh, we know, especially among the elderly, uh, isolation is not a good thing. Are these questions that you're getting specific to that population? There's a lot of questions around um, how to support people who are more vulnerable um, and and what are some of the, the tools that I can provide to them. And so we, we actually have um, a section that is uh, called Take a Break, and it's levity and um, calming music videos and, you know, digital nature walks and just these tools that you can use for yourself, but again, certainly people that are even more physically isolated, knowing that um, even going out and taking uh, a quick walk, you know, is not something that everybody can do. Well, I want to thank Naomi Hirabayashi for joining us by phone, co-founder and co-CEO at Shine. Again, the Shine has partnered with Mental Health America to provide this new online resource at virusanxiety.com. Uh, that's an easy uh, website to remember. Naomi, thank <laughs> you for joining us today on Where We Live. Thank you so much for having me. Also with us, Thomas Burr, Community and Affiliate Relations Manager with NAMI Connecticut, or the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Again, we'll try to share those resources um, on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live, or you can go to Twitter at where we live. Today's show produced by Tess Terrible. Thanks to Katie Talarski on the phones today. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.